Grace and peace, yours in abundance, my brothers, my sisters in Christ. In a second, I'm going to invite your participation by show of hands, if you're comfortable. But first, who was the person who has had the biggest impact on your life? Who is your primary influencer? Who has had the biggest role in shaping the person that you are today? Do you have someone in mind? For how many of us was it someone we were or are related to? Someone in your family, a guardian, a parent, a brother, a sister, a cousin, grandpa, grandpa. For how many of us was it a really great teacher that we had or someone we met through our career that really, really shaped who we are? For how many of us was it someone that we met at church whose example really molded who we are today? Now, I saw some people double dip. I saw you raise your hand for a couple, and that's okay, because all of us can probably think of people that fall into every one of these categories that have been so instrumental in shaping who we are and influencing who we are today. But I'll tell you what, what's true for whoever you thought of, no matter what area of life they met you at. They weren't trying to. If you thought of your mother, she probably wasn't trying to shape and mold you like clay. She was probably just trying to be a good mom. If you thought of a teacher that was really, really formative for you, they probably didn't wake up every day saying, I'm going to change that person's life. I'm going to change the life of that one student. No, they were probably just focused on being a good teacher, weren't they? Even Martin Luther King Jr., for instance. Do you think he had aspirations of writing a speech that we would all be quoting for time and eternity? I don't think so. I think his career as a civil rights leader started off with him just doing his best with what he had in the moment, and it grew from there. Nobody chooses to be an influencer. That's what's so ironic about all these people on social media saying that they are influencers. You don't elect being an influencer if you don't have anything to influence people with. The people who are the most influential for us were the people who were committed to something else and their influence followed. You don't choose to be an influencer unless you're Jesus. And Jesus, as he continues this Sermon on the Mount, right after he gives those Beatitudes that we talked about last week, he says he has chosen us to be the influencers of the world. Jesus singles us out and says you are supposed to have an impact on other people's lives. How? How does it happen? Jesus uses some metaphors to explain. He says that you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are salt. You are light. 
two things that have a lot in common, don't they? Both salt and light are good. We need both salt and light. We love both salt and light. Some of us love salt a little bit too much, and our doctors tell us to dial back on the salt a little bit. But I have salt with every single meal that I have in the, in the day, don't you? And so accustomed are we to having salt, so, use, so reliable is salt that you can just watch someone put salt on their, on their dish, and you can tell the moment that they've put just enough and when they put too much. Light. We need light. Light is good. Do you realize how much we are depending on light right now? Otherwise, I couldn't see you. You couldn't see me. We couldn't read. Without light, you don't know where you're going. Without light, you can't enjoy a work of art. Light is so important and so good. Both salt and light are positive. They are reliable, and they're everywhere. Can we say the same thing about us? There isn't a nation under the sun that hasn't heard of Christians or Christianity. But are they glad that we're here? Now, it's true that there's such a thing as persecution, people reacting to Christianity in a negative way with, with violence and with laws against the religion. Jesus, at this point, has already talked about persecution. He said, it's a reality. Blessed are you who endure throughout persecution. It's going to come. But you know what would be even worse than being persecuted for your faith? If people didn't even know you had faith to begin with. People can have a lot of negative reactions toward Christians. People can misunderstand where we're coming from, but far be it from us to ever give them a reason to criticize us. Like if somebody said, yeah, I know a bunch of Christians. They are some of the worst listeners I've ever met. All they ever want to do is cram a Bible down my throat. Or if they said, yeah, I know some Christians. They are the meanest people I've ever met. They're always posting. They're always talking about this or that cause or this or that sin. Fire and brimstone everywhere. They seem so angry. But what would be even worse is if someone said, yeah, I know some Christians. And to be honest, having a hard time seeing how their Christianity makes them different from anyone else. Far be it from us that anyone would say that about us. When there isn't a connection between what we believe and the way that we act, the way that we speak. This isn't a problem that can be solved by putting an open Bible on your coffee table, is it? This isn't a problem that can be solved by putting the right bumper sticker on your car to let everyone know you're a Christian. We're not talking about getting the right kind of tattoo on your body to show everyone that you're a Christian. It's where your beliefs line up with the way that you act. And if people are looking at the way that you act and they can't tell where you stand on your Lord Jesus Christ, that's a problem. Is the world glad that we're here? Maybe not but it would be even worse if we gave them nothing to react to at all. Jesus commands us, let your light shine so that other people can see your good deeds, can be benefited by you, and then be led to glorify your Father in heaven. And we don't want to be people pleasers. Jesus isn't commanding us to drop doctrinal truth and just live to win everybody over and make everyone our friend. That's not the, the goal. That wasn't the goal for him either, was it? 
Why was Jesus born? Why did Jesus live? Why did Jesus do miracles? Why did Jesus spend so much time with people teaching them and unfolding scripture with them? Why did Jesus call his disciples out of their fishing boats and into his ministry with them? Why did Jesus go to a cross and give up his life? Why did Jesus walk out of that tomb alive again? Not to win friends and influence people, but to change hearts. The most influential person in your life probably didn't plan on it, but Jesus did. From time and eternity, Jesus decided he was going to change your life. Jesus chose to be the most influential person in your life. That was his plan since before you were born. Jesus had his sights set on you. Your teacher does not, your favorite teacher didn't wake up and say, I'm going to change my student's life. But Jesus did throughout eternity say, I'm going to change their life. Talking about you. I'm going to be born to be their savior. I'm going to be, live to be, to fulfill the law for them. I'm going to die to forgive their sins. And I'm going to rise to give them the promise of eternal life. Jesus is your great influencer. He's the most influential person in your life. He has shined the light of his the light of his love into your darkness. And now you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And that goodness and that light that is yours in Christ is now yours to share. As Jesus is teaching this on the hillside, he can sense some tension. He, knowing all things, he can read hearts, he can read minds. He knows some people are thinking, what is this guy talking about? He's given us a new commandment. He's overthrowing everything that we hear our religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes teaching. So Jesus explains, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Harsh words. But Jesus is setting, setting his line in the sand. He's saying, I disagree, and so does scripture, with what those Pharisees and those teachers of the law are saying. This is controversial. This got people quite riled up. This did not win Jesus any friends, but Jesus is unfolding. I'm not presenting you with anything new. God's will for your life to reflect his glory has been part and parcel to his plan for his people since the beginning. It was the Pharisees who were messing with God's will for us. It was the Pharisees who took God's will and thought of themselves not as salt and light, but more like the salt shaker as if it's their job to protect the precious salt of their true doctrine from the outside world. And so they didn't spend time with other people. They spent time in their own offices, in their own churches. They spent time 
studying themselves and de devoting themselves to their own acts of righteousness, not to help anyone else, but to try to get good with God on their own terms. Seems easy if that's all that there is. If all you have to do is put your nose in your Bible and then you will be saved for sure. That seems easy. But salvation is even easier. Jesus, light is the light, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He has come to save each and every one of us from our own eternal damnation. Now what do we do with that information, God says? We glorify him so that our neighbor can see it too. But what that means is we have to have neighbors. We have to be around other people. Salt and light both don't have any effect on anyone else if you keep them away in the pantry. Jesus is saying this has been God's will from the beginning. And we saw it in Exodus, didn't we? As God led his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt, he saved them. He did this marvelous act, this miraculous act of salvation and love and compassion. And now he said, now you are my kings and queens. Now you are my priests, that you may declare my praise to everyone around you. This has been God's will since the beginning. God doesn't leave it up to us to figure out how to be salt, how to be light. But he tells us in his word, every command of God is our guide to how we can live a life of thanksgiving to God for what he has done for us. And when, you're, we are, when you are committed to that, you will realize that your influence will follow. That's how you be salt and light to the earth. For instance, God says in his word, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When that is your life's mantra, your influence will follow. Because people are going to ask, people are going to wonder about your weekend plans. Why do you go to that place every Sunday? What are you expecting to get there? And you can tell them. You can tell them why you can't stay up too late on Saturday night because you have church the next morning and why you make that a priority. And when you do, you are being salt, you are being light. When someone sees your behavior and notices that every member of the opposite sex that walks by, you don't look up and down, that you're not living like you're trying to sleep with as many people as possible, and that when you go out, you don't have so many drinks that it seems like you think the world is going to end the next day. People might wonder. They might ask. Then you will have the opportunity to tell them, I'm not living life as if I'm here for a good time. And I'm not living life like I'm here for a long time. I know that God has given me my life on this earth, not to just have as much fun as possible, but to glorify him and to give thanks to him. And you will be salt and you will be light to those around you. When people observe the way you act at work or school, the way you devote yourself to your assignments, the way you do what your boss tells you, the way you don't cheat on your time card, the way you don't fudge the numbers on your taxes, and they'll wonder, why do you care so much about the little details? It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. You can say, I labor not as for human beings, but for God. I'm not here to win people's approval. I'm not doing this so that people will notice and recognize me. I'm here to glorify my God. That's my life's mission. And you will be salt, and you will be light. 
And if you ever doubt if this is effective, if you ever wonder if you're actually making an impact on the people around you just by living your faith, just by devoting yourself to the study of Scripture and to the living it out, if you ever wonder if it's worth your while, just remember that this has been God's M.O. for forever. That ever since Exodus, ever since the Garden of Eden, God has tasked human beings with praising him and declaring his glory. And you know how you know? Because you're here. You are living proof that God works through people. Somebody, somewhere, sometime was salt to you. Somebody was light to you. Someone was living as if Jesus is their top priority, their number one priority, and they weren't afraid to share it with you. They weren't scared of your reaction, whether you were just a baby or an adult. And that brought you here. And now you know who your Savior is. Now you are glorifying your Father in heaven. So if you ever doubt that it works, that Christians can have a positive influence on other people, just look at yourself and how you have been blessed. Because God hasn't worked in any other way, has he? He fills us up with his grace and his love and his compassion, with his light. And then he says, go, be salt, be light. That's who you are. Amen. Would you please stand?